Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is written for us in the book of James, chapter 5, beginning at the 14th verse. Is anyone among you sick? He should call the elders of the church, and they should pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So confess your sins to one another and pray for one another in order that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is able to do much because it is effective. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Sanctify us through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Please be seated. In Jesus the Christ, dear fellow redeemed. In a 1999 interview with Playboy, the then governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura, made the statement that organized religion is a sham and a crutch for weak-minded people. You can imagine that got quite a few people upset here in Minnesota and around the country. There were Christians that were furious at him for saying that. I've wondered if they were furious at him for saying that organized religion is a sham or if it was more that it's a crutch for weak-minded people. Is Christianity a religion for weak-minded people? Is it a religion for the weak? I propose to you that it is. There are times in our life where we are so weak-minded we can't make sense of what's going on. We recognize that so many things are out of our control, that there are forces involved that we cannot comprehend. We are helpless. We are desperate. We're weak. James, in our text, holds before us one of those times when we really feel our weakness and our helplessness. He says, if anyone is sick, he should call the elders. I don't know in my pastoral experience if there has been any other event in a person's life that I've been ministering to that has caused them to grab on to the tool and gift, the promise that God has given us in prayer. When one's very existence here on this earth is under question and there is nothing that can be done, that person is brought to face to face not just with their mortality, 
but with their helplessness and their need for divine intervention. James gives the advice that the elders should be called and that the elders should anoint the person with oil in the name of the Lord and and pray. The Catholic Church obviously reads this and interprets this as last rites and as a sacrament. But it's interesting when you look at the Greek word that's used for anointing, it's it's not the common one used for anointing prophets and so forth. It's a, a different verb there. And in a sense, it's saying oil them with oil. Oil in ancient times was used as medicine. If you were to read the account of the Good Samaritan, it says that when he came upon the man that was beaten up and left half dead, he anointed him with oil. He oiled him with oil and wine. Oil was a medicine. Its history also records by Josephus, this is, that when Herod the Great was near death, he had a bath of oil, or a bath in oil, I should say, probably, in an attempt to heal him. So if we were to put this into our modern-day terms, we would probably say, James was saying, call the elders Give the person medicine and pray. That's what we do today. Pastors and family members stand beside the, the hospital beds of their sick loved ones and friends. And the doctors administer the medicine and what do they do? They pray in the name of the Lord. And James tells us that that person will be healed because of their prayer. Now, James isn't making a bold statement that everyone that gets prayed for healing will be healed. Because every Christian prayer is offered that God, offered trusting that God will work everything out in accordance to his good and gracious will. There are times that it is better for that person to die. Not just for them getting to go to heaven, but for the good that God will work through that death. Yeah, it hurts. We maybe can't see all that God is doing, but remember, we're the weak-minded. And God promises to always work graciously for our good, even when we don't understand what he is doing. And so every prayer offered in the name of the Lord will be heard and God will answer for our good. Now there are a number of Bible verses that teach us this. In the Psalms, God says, call upon me in the day of trouble. And he doesn't say, I might deliver you or I could deliver you. He says, I will deliver you. So no matter what our prayer is, God is always working for our deliverance and in the words of our text, our rescue. 
even when we don't understand it. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. That's a promise. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Again, notice the certainty with which he speaks. God will do these things for you. Because he has promised to do so. James goes on and he he talks about confessing our sins. And that a, a person's sins will be forgiven. Why would he raise that point in connection with prayer? Well... What inhibits your confidence with regards to your prayers? If there was no barrier between you and God, if you were confident that you had a perfect relationship with God, would you have any fears about approaching Him? And would you have any doubts about how He's going to answer No, if you were in perfect relationship with God, you would be bold, you would be confident, you'd be at his throne saying, hey, this is what I need. And you would expect him to give it to you. So what breaks that? It's sin. When we face difficulties and trials, often the first thought that goes through our head is, what did I do to deserve this? Our prayers then are directly impacted by our sense of guilt. And maybe there's even specific sins in our mind as we're dealing with something. Is God punishing me for this? So James tells us, confess your sins. Speak them out loud to another Christian. And be forgiven. Jesus has given this special authority to Christians to be able to forgive sins, to be able to assure and restore the relationship between that individual and God. If we trust that our sins are forgiven through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, then the doorway to God, the Father's throne, is open wide. And we should be at His throne, petitioning Him boldly and confidently for what we need, trusting that He loved us so much to forgive our sins, And therefore, he will answer our prayer for our good. 
our temporal and eternal good. So James says at the end, the prayer of a righteous person is effective. Now, we could read that and think, yeah, if I live a good life, if I'm righteous, then, yeah, God's going to listen to me. That's not the righteousness we possess. Our righteousness can only come through faith in Christ, through His perfect life and His innocent death on our behalf. The person trusting in Jesus His prayer is effective. So God hears you. He hears when you cry out to Him in your distress. He hears when you cry out to Him in the middle of the night. He hears when you feel weak-minded and weak in body. He hears and He answers. Because he loves you. May God bless you by the power of his spirit with a bold faith. A faith that is constantly at the throne of our Father of grace. Petitioning him for all that you need. And for Jesus' sake, he will grant it. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.